Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Kaylee, are you excited to talk about WandaVision? Oh my goodness. Um, this this was probably the best thing I've seen in the MCU. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Period. That too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, it's, it's literally this was one of the best things I've ever watched on television on a yeah. screen ever. So good. It's so good. I'm so glad you liked it because I was like, if we don't, obviously we'll just end the friendship and the podcast. Right I mean, now. that's that would be understandable. I think. Yeah. I think I would end my relationship with myself. <laughs> over over not liking it I'd be like well why do I not like it this is wrong we're done we're done with this I'm over it <laughs> it's so good isn't it and it came out just at the right time mm, like winter lockdown that long long winter lockdown was when it came out um just what the doctor ordered like screw the covid vaccine you need one division that's what you need we did. and it was sick because it was episodic so it was kind of like that vibe where you, you're all gathering around to share your thoughts and opinions. And I remember I had like a couple of people I worked with and we'd be like, it's WandaVision morning. <laughs> and it's very much that kind of show, isn't it? Where you are not given everything to start off with. You are drip fed information all yeah. the way through. Because you're like, um, why is it happening? What's happening? I know. Yeah. And, and I love stuff like that. I mean, I'm struggling to decide where to start with what I love about it. I almost should have listed like 10 things that I just love about this thing. Oh, we can do that. We can do that. I love that. One thing I love about it was it does really spectacularly like go through the history of television, like the sitcom style. The tribute, yeah, the tributes and the the sort of, yeah, the, the, the way they captured different eras of television was... And comedy. And comedy, so particularly yeah. sitcoms, yeah, was spectacular. I particularly yeah. was thinking of, when they got to the 90s or early noughties and they Not did exactly. it it was based no no before that one when they did like scrubs malcolm in the middle style stuff yeah and i was watching i was like that is so true like it, it's weird how they captured that tone and yeah. how everything got it made me really reflect on watching that stuff when i was younger and i was thinking everything got a little bit cruel in comedy it did, <laughs> it did. like houses fall on people or like everyone's angry in Malcolm in the Middle. Everyone, everyone's horrible. The thing is why I, I struggled to like both Malcolm in the Middle and Scrubs is that everyone's quite mean. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really, I mean, I know I'll probably get hate now. We'll both get it. I, I wasn't a fan of either of them really. Like they're fine in their own way, but it's not something I've ever gone back nostalgically to be like, oh, I miss that. But like, I just think they were, you like you say, very mean, cruel. I was the same. It yeah, was a bit I, offbeat. The comedy was a bit like it was trying to be quirky. It felt like it was trying too hard sometimes, trying to be quirky. 
Yeah, I I agree. But I mean, they were big hits at the time. They were massively yeah. influential. So we can't really, I guess we can't argue with that. But it was, yeah, I agree. It wasn't to my taste as such. But it, it was the way they did the cutaway gags as well. The, mm. the whole style of it, they got it just absolutely spot on. And then the way, yeah, the way they managed to do Modern Family and The Office and Parks yeah. and Rec and that kind of stuff in the mid to late noughties, I just thought this takes some really skilled writing to not yeah. only do tributes to it but to almost satirize it at the same time but in a nice way and, and such good acting as well like she emulates the mum in one family like the mannerisms that everything about it it's like spot on you run them side by side almost. and the different opening credits the way that mm. the opening credits to that one was so the office and yeah. uh, it, it like it, it was just just perfect how they did it and I really like I I loved watching 60s 70s American sitcoms maybe I am a wonder who knows but um (laughs) but the way they captured that particularly the 50s 60s ones where it's very sort of gentle but farcical um and the acting is a little bit robotic but um but not so robotic that it's it you come detached from it I I, I very much thought of the Dick Van Dyke show. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's yeah. um, I, I, I like I've watched quite a few episodes of that. And and then it, it, it the every episode is the same and they never mention what happened in a previous episode ever. Like, well, why would you? No, why would you? Exactly. Because <laughs> everyone watched it week by week and there were no repeats. You never watched a repeated view. So you'd be. So like one episode, suddenly Dick Van Dyke is part of a bowling team. This bowling team is never mentioned again for like five or six seasons. But for that one episode, he's part of one. And yeah, stuff like that happens. Um, and it's very all very heteronormative too. I was going to use this as part of my quiz, but being as we've done it now, do you want to hear the shows that it is directly referencing? Can I guess some? Yes, please do. So the first one I think was very Dick Van Dyke show and also... What was it? Is it something like Father Knows Best or something like that? No. So Dick Van Dyke Show is number one. Right. Then the second one, which involved the talent show, I thought, is that Bewitched? Yes, it is. Bewitched. And then after that, that was when it went into colour and she's giving birth. Mm -hmm. I would go with something along the lines of Golden Girls or Maud, but... It might be something else. It's close because they're all family sitcoms, really. So that's mm. the Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Or um, is it the Waltons as well? Like mm. they did that similar kind of thing. But yeah, I see Brady Bunch in that. Yeah. Um, then it was Malcolm in the Middle. Well, then we've got Family Ties, which is the eighties one. Oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah. But Malcolm in the Middle is the next one. Yeah. And then the last one you've already Modern said Family. It, yeah. yeah. Modern Family. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Smashed yeah. it. But I kind of got elements of a few other things in the mix as well, like Everybody Loves Raymond, which is in mm-hmm. just the, the look of it rather than the style of the comedy and so on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they did that so well. And then um, when um, Agatha Harkness gets revealed and she has that, that dum 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 who is messing up everything. And all it that. was Agatha all along. It was um, that was the Monsters. Um, yes, and and, the, the and and like if you play that and then play the monsters theme tune, it's almost identical. It, and, and it's just so far you can sing the lyrics to Agatha all along to the monsters theme tune. That was one of my questions, but you nailed it. But yeah, definitely. Literally. I grew up watching the monsters. Like I like I said, I love 60s, 70s American sitcoms. I love I love the changing face of it, like uh, like the Mary Tyler Moore show and Maud and Golden Girls and all that mm. sort of thing. Um 
Like I think that's that's that was gave me a strong connection to one division personally was because I've seen some of this stuff. So I'm like, that's what it's referencing. Ah! It's so good. It's like you can tell someone who's written it who just loves TV and gets TV. Mm. Me and Chris say this about certain like horror series. You can tell when someone who really loves horror has written a horror series because it feels like they really know the genre. Whereas when somebody who doesn't really and they're relying on tropes a lot more, you feel it and you don't really mm. connect to it as much. But this was very much a case of a project of love I'd say and I absolutely and I think the writers are obviously they're, they're writing you know superhero stuff mm. and there is that in because it's not just the sitcoms it's all the other stuff that's happening is very very MCU still but mm. it shows that the the best writers write a genre but they're also very aware of other genres as well and I yeah. Terry, Terry Pratchett the greatest writer of all time so of says that too he says like he writes fantasy novels but he doesn't just read fantasy novels and you can tell right. in his writing that he takes influences from all sorts of areas well, yeah like crime procedurals and all sorts of things like Shakespeare fairy tales and Shakespeare yeah Shakespeare he's even he references opera and war stories and you know Blue yeah all sorts of, yeah yeah all of that stuff like and um and that's so important because then you can write something that's that's gonna push boundaries and this does push boundaries mm. um, I don't know if both you literally saw... and figuratively because there's a big boundary around the around the town exactly yeah I don't know if you saw it it was like it came out what was it the same year it was called Kevin can f himself and it was a similar vibe in that they they split like half of the show is done to be like everybody loves Raymond type sitcom and half is like a gritty like crime drama type vibe or like mm. more like Ozark so it's like those yeah. two mashed together because the woman like, you do see this a bit like with the gender stereotypes the gender roles that they're forced into in their sitcoms and we'll talk about that mm. later but in Kevin Kinnett himself she's forced into that role of the like long suffering weary wife who just like gets bullied get us another beer and she she hates him and she wants to kill him so when she's not in the sitcom mm. being like la 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 she's off screen like in this really gritty blue grainy wash world and trying to figure out how to get this this segues beautifully into another reason why i love it is i love a genre bender and i love mm. it when um it starts off and you're just a bit wrong-footed um yes. and you you're gradually working out not just what's going on in the plot, but what the hell is this? Um, mm. Like, um, I think another example, a good example, would be Cabin in the Woods. Um, I love Cabin in the Woods. I love it too. It's one of my favorite films. And I love how at the beginning, you start off with the two guys in the facility. Um, yes. And then it goes into the traditional kind of horror movie setup. There's a bunch of young, good looking teens. They go into a cabin in the woods and it's all like cut off and it's a bit spooky as they go in there um but you've also got these scenes in where they're being watched by these people in a science facility and you're a bit like what the hell is going on this is this is kind of familiar but it's not familiar at all yeah and, so and you gradually it then all sort of gradually connects up but it, you're again you're drip fed the information and I recently went to the cinema to see everything everywhere all at once um which follows a similar kind of thing but that goes mm. even more mental by the end but um to, at the beginning you're starting off with like this sort of very domestic kind of comedy but very quickly you start to realize there's something going on in the background that gradually comes to light and um yeah love yeah that. well I always hope they would do another cabin in the woods it doesn't have to be the cabin it could be like a diff one of the different horrors that they had in the mm. I would have loved that because it was so well done like the creepy guy warning them not to go further and then I love when he phoned the um the headquarters to tell them they're just mocking him mercilessly <laughs> yes yeah yeah yes so that was number one was that our first reason why I think that was number to... one and number two that was number one was um 
the 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 tributes to sitcoms and number two was the genre bending my um, one that i'd like to put in is just i don't ever know how to say him Catherine Hain. Catherine hahn Han, there we go. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favourites. Like she always pops up in things as like the best friend or like a second tier character. Mm-hmm. And I always think, you know, a bit like um, Judy Greer and people, they should make a movie of all these people together as the main characters. But um, that aside, I just love her. She's amazing. In Parks and Recreation, she plays this like career focused lawyer who hates children and she's comes to a small town. And she's always wearing like poncho to stop children touching her and ruining her ensemble. And she mm-hmm. buys the, the coffee shop. Um, their own like espresso machine so she can have her favorite drink and she just is very very she's funny so she she's very jennifer coolidge in that she's very larger than life um mm. and i think she can express things really well and it showed that she can do subtlety at the same time yes. like when when she reveals herself and she's actually villainous she's less extreme than when she's the characters in the sitcoms you I mean found. she doesn't go full Elizabeth Hurley mode? <laughs> no, she doesn't go full Elizabeth Hurley mode. No, what? which is a good thing. Um, but I just she... she's always so subversive as well. Like she doesn't like play into gender tropes. So what hmm. I was going to say about that part of the rec role is that she's that career woman, but she doesn't do the thing in every Netflix Christmas film where the big city lawyer goes to the small town and goes, I hate my life. I'm going to become a family woman and teach my career and do all this. She just is like, no, I love my career. And a in career this, for a woman? Oh, no. Yeah. That's that's soul-destroying. Yeah, and in this, she's evil, but you still love her and you're kind of rooting for her because she's so much fun. And even stuff like that famous gif of her winking and smiling, it's... Um, <laughs> If you watch it in slow motion, it's so exact, exactly what she does is um, she you feel like she's rehearsed that quite a few times. She does the wink and then she smiles, but she leans her head back really far, but not so far that it's ridiculous, just far enough for it to be just a little bit bizarre and silly. Um, And it's and it's just the even the angle of her neck i'm like you 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 have such control over yourself like you're witnessing some of the best acting in mm. this ever like and elizabeth olsen i should shout out as well is just oh yeah brilliant like, they're both the yeah. M- yeah mvp mode but i'm glad um, that she's getting a lot more roles now because yeah i feel like it's put her on the map so she's going to be in like knives out too and she was in that um oh my god what's it called the, the thing about the psychiatrist on apple tv with Paul oh. Rudd and Will Ferrell. It's a true crime situation. But she's oh, getting quite sure. big roles now. Mm. And I'm glad, because she deserves it. I do also love, speaking of the villain, the way in which the villain is not the driving force. No. The story. So it, usually in Marvel, you like the villain arrives, does something bad, the superhero has to defeat them. But actually in this, it the superhero has caused the problem. The mm. villain is there because of that. And she's almost subsidiary to the um to the main issue she's she's sort of this little parasite who's turned up like oh an opportunity i was gonna say it's very parasitic isn't it mm. like a like a compy in jurassic park coming along and be like i just bite you now i guess you're in trouble so i'll eat you <laughs> exactly exactly yeah yeah and um but jurassic driving- park is quite a good example because the main problem is that that is man they've created yeah. this park the dinosaurs just happen to be there as part <laughs> of it like this could have happened at any theme park with like rides but instead they've just chosen dinosaurs so that's they brought the problem on themselves they so, did and they, the dinosaurs are just the shrug emoji that like, i guess yeah. <laughs> well we're doing what we have to do <laughs> <laughs> i think that's my problem it's a segue but problem with the new jurassic park movies is the the dinosaurs aren't di- like animals anymore they're more like thinking monsters that mm. are very evil 
and you're right the focus should be on man being the it, it defeats the point of the original film definitely um but yeah i did like that and i liked that like wanda had to kind of defeat agatha but also then deal with her own the actual grief. main problem which is her mental health and her grief and her and her and how she recovers from trauma um yeah yes. let's hope she gets that under under wraps before she next pops up hey She'll need that. Yes, it's good for her. <laughs> like, segwaying again to the next reason, the way it deals with mental health. Yes, it's so, so spectacularly done. And and grief as well. Like I know so many people when I was watching it at the time and they were watching it, anyone who had been through grief themselves really related to everything going on. It was like one of the most realistic portrayals of grief on screen. It illustrated the um, the delusion you might go through when you're in denial about, so, or, or forcing yourself into denial Yes. And the way in which it affects people around you, mm. um, the, way, the the really disturbing moment for me was towards the end of the, the, one of the last episodes when the the other people in the town are um, they're not under possession of wonder, but they're kind of in pain themselves, mm. and that was really disturbing. And you kind of thought when someone is not dealing with their mental health properly, this actually has <laughs> rippling effects across your entire friendship and family base. Um, yeah so true and also like I guess on that same note like the fact that the people when they were pretending it creates what you think is what you need but it's a very false disjointed reality and it doesn't allow you to get to where you need to get to if people which just I suppose yeah it, it just just making connections in my head now it, it that is show is exemplified through the ev evolution of the sitcom because in the 50s and 60s the sitcom was all about showing the ideal family life and it yep. was all a bit robotic and fake and um i've watched i've, I've watched whole documentaries about this because i find this fascinating um but like it always shows the woman's at home she's happy in that the father goes to work usually comes back and solves the problem the father mm. knows best and that's and it's a very heteronormative and white and but as in the 70s things started to change they started to address um things like abortion, alcoholism, homosexuality, the top issues of the day, that sort of thing. Um, and then when the 90s hit, like we said, everything got a bit crueler, everyone's unhappy, everyone's pissed off, things are dark, it's the X-Files era. And then modern family era kept that, but introduced the ways in which we can cope with it. And yeah. I suppose the, the process, the, the historical process of the sitcom represents the sort of process of grief in a way. Yeah. Um, oh, that was deep. <laughs> was That's my PhD, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> Just submit it now. You might get one of those fellowship robes. Yeah. So like the really fellow. colorful ones. Yeah, you might get that. Yeah, no, 100%. That's absolutely what I think it was doing. I just think, yeah, it's just so clever. And the last episode, I think you've, I wrote a piece about this, which I think I forced you to read because I'm that kind of person. But that whole episode, it kind of got lost in the noise a bit, the message it was really hammering home, I think, because everyone was really focused on, like, what does this mean? Vision's got this. He's flown off. He's flown off with the memories. That Look, I must, yeah, I must say, maybe the only slight fault, but, I mean, this is such a minor thing, is that the final episode is a little bit chaotic, and you have to kind of let it digest for a while to mm. fully understand the stuff that's happening. Because, like, yeah, like you say, lots of sort of very MCU things have happened. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people really honed in on the fact that there was white vision soul vision was still out there mm. but um like, i think the point is to make is like even if he is out there with the memories he's still a stranger to her she's still lost the person she she was with and that she loved so yeah having in on that wasn't wasn't the ideal 
we can dissect that when we get to the last episode but there is that whole thesis is ship discussion as well that vision yeah. both visions have which was quite interesting um yeah but we'll talk about that when we get to it because i feel like they dropped they dropped some hints of what might happen in future things i like the connections to the mcu like the fact they brought back darcy from mm. thor um when they mentioned the name monica rambo i was like wait that rings a bell and i had to look it up and i was like there's the connection 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 and then um and then jimmy woo coming into it as well and then and then the way they they showed a different side of the 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 blip the snap and people mm. coming back i was and the, the it wasn't totally disconnected it was it was well connected to the mcu and yeah very well done yeah i mean there we go there go a few of my questions i was like looked it up or not that's cheating really i'm going to get this now i i will also say i think one division is really good because i know several people including doug who have watched it having not really watched any mcu stuff and they did have to watch it with someone who has seen it like i was there explaining a few things for doug but he still got he still loved it and got a lot out of it um mm. so i think it has that universal appeal which for a, such a massive franchise is something that should be praised because it means that it's not just exclusively for a certain group of people you know yeah definitely i think it's almost a shame because it Kate, it was the first of the tv series to come out it wasn't supposed to be it was meant to be like second or third i think but based on timings it popped out first mm. um and the others are a bit more you know what we expect from the mcu almost so you kind of wish they all had some sort of like this like some sort of crazy really rich tapestry of events mm. and no like the satire was such a clever idea they could do it again i mean it would be a shame to do it again but horror would have been a fun one right absolutely yeah 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 I think cool to try they, yeah i i almost wish that i could forget that i've seen it so i could watch it again and go through the same process because i think a repeat i will watch it again at some point but it won't be the same process i want to go through the process of being like what is happening what is going on <gasps> this is happening but what does this mean and all and yeah. just and go through that whole process again and the fact that i feel that for it shows that this is probably one of my favorite things i've ever watched ever ever, ever i'm ever. quite lucky because chris still hasn't seen it and he said he wants to watch it in a couple of years time because he's mm. been, yeah he's he's over marvel apparently <laughs> so i was like fine in a couple of years time i will happily watch it with you mm. and i will be that annoying voice like do you know what this means do you know what this means <laughs> kind of like I am for you so yeah I, I just love it it's perfect I think it was probably the best thing on tv that year and there was sure. a lot of good stuff on tv that year so it was it was all the stuff that was delayed by a yeah. year <laughs> <laughs> when the trailer first came out like I mean you didn't I guess you wouldn't have had a chance I don't know if you looked at the trailer or anything or did this before you dived in but when the I don't trailer to watch trailers in general I don't really I don't like trailers very much I do it for work, especially with stuff like this, because you're like, like Stranger Things or WandaVision, you're analysing the trailer, like, what does it all mean? Is this mm. happening? Is this happening? And it was kind of like, what bits did it show? The wedding, it showed the wedding where he dipped her and then they changed colour and it had a little bit of a creepy moment with Agnes. And everyone was like, who is Agnes going to be? What is she? Mm. Who is she? And and there were a few theories that she might be who she turns out to be. But I uh, the the whole Agnes thing, I and unfortunately that had been ruined for me. Um because there was because so it much discourse. Anthem, that song, didn't it? Exactly. That the song <laughs> Agatha all along became such a popular um hit that 
I just thought everyone was referencing it. I was like, I'm going to have to listen to this. So I listened to it and saw the video of her being revealed and stuff. And I, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't ruin the show at all. Um, I still enjoyed it very much, but um, then I think if I watched it, not knowing I would have been like, this woman's weird. Like there's something wrong with her. Surely, surely there's something to do with her. And also the fact that they reference other townsfolk um, and they didn't reference her when the people outside, like the sword mm. people. Um, and she wasn't one of the names that was said. So I think at that point I'd be like, hmm, she's in it a lot, but they haven't they haven't referenced I think they want you to think she's suspicious, but you want to be like, but who is she? Is she her mom? She's is she insidious. So mm. perfidious. That's what she is. <laughs> mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. We talk about Quicksilver when we get to him, but we'll do that in the episodes, I guess. Yes, yes. Let's start off... Um, uh, uh, actually going through some plots here I had to split it episode by episode I just had to there's no way that I could summarize it's like a this. tiny little story in each one because it's a sitcom format so you can't really not can you they they really thought carefully about how each episode works what is revealed in each episode this was plotted so carefully um really really good but anyway yeah episode one um just it's just a 1950s sitcom that's almost the entirety of episode one. Um, Wanda and Vision are shown as newlyweds in a new home. It's all black and white. It's got a jolly little um, opening titles to it. There's this farcical situation where they've put a heart around the day's date on the calendar, but they can't remember why. Uh, Wanda think You think it's such a deep... When I was watching it, everyone was like, oh, that's when he died, or this happened, or this happened. And it turns out to be so... But now, <laughs> yeah, it was part of the plot of the sitcom. That's all it was. So Wanda thinks it's their anniversary. Uh, so she starts cooking a nice surprise dinner for the two of them when he goes to work. But he discovers that his draconian boss, whose surname is Hart, and his wife are coming over for dinner and they have to impress him. So then at very last minute, Wanda has to use her little magical powers and the help of her kooky, kooky neighbour, Agnes, um, <laughs> to suddenly cook a meal for them. And it's this whole kind of very Dick Van dyke kind of... Um, uh, situation that is very funny and enjoyable but there's a point during the meal the boss starts choking on some food he mm. falls down one and wonder and vision have to break character in order to save him and then suddenly go back into character and then the episode ends there and you're like what the hell is that like it's it's brilliant it shows this situation you're a bit like why is vision alive when is this where is this mm-hmm. but you've given that moment in there to know that they are still wonder and vision and something is going on and you also see an undisclosed character like watching this on a screen in color so yeah Set i think also really well. yeah like you say it was such a mystery at the time because everyone was like did she bring him back somehow and she's hiding because she shouldn't have done it was very hopeful but when we were writing it up ahead of like episodes coming out it was very like the people who haven't seen marvel this guy is dead i don't mean to spoil it for you but he's supposed to have died and we are like why is he back that was a big twist that was when that was my explanation to doug was i was like the only background i can give you is that um wonder and vision are a couple they're both superheroes mm. um they were in the avengers films um, and I said to him, Vision died in Avengers Infinity War. Um, he, as you can see, he is here. I don't know why he is here. There is no yeah. explanation for why he is there yet. So and I, and I had to be like, and he's like, but what, then why is he alive? I'm like, I'm in the dark as much <laughs> as you are right now. I'm going yeah. through the same process as you. <laughs> 
The other question he asked me was, why is vision looking like that? Like, what is vision? And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's something I can't answer, even though I've seen it. It's, it vision <laughs> is like a combination of an infinity stone and a computer program. Poof! And it came together and made him. <laughs> and we don't know why he's red, but he is. I think it's because Tony Stark likes that colour. And he look, yeah, he looks like the body works person that on the logo of that thing, um, you know, the autopsy thing that they, that, oh they my God. Create, that they tour the world and that sort of thing. He looks like that basically. And yes. he just does and that just deal with it. <laughs> Get on with it. He looks like Paul Bettany for quite a bit in that episode as well, which is quite nice. That's it, yeah. Oh, that's the funny thing about Doug is that he he enjoyed this, but when I started explaining the whole Infinity Stone thing, he looked at me like he looked at me like I was trying to explain that the world was flat to him. <laughs> he was he was that look of like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he gets lost. <laughs> that's fair. Some people yeah. just you know you need to have a certain kind of brain bend i guess i think that you get into it of course yeah yeah uh anyway episode two we jump forward to the 1960s um and we know that because the quality of the image has improved a bit and there's outdoor scenes as well which uh, was a bit more 1960s um in this farcical situation wander and vision are participating in a local talent show um as a magic act but vision swallows some chewing gum which is um which sort of gets stuck in his circuits and he ends up appearing drunk and disorientated during the act. So Wanda has to use her own powers to kind of stumble through it in comical ways. But other things start coming up that show that this world is not what we think it is. Um, mm, the colour patches. The colour patches come in. There's a helicopter, a little colourful helicopter thing um, in there. Um, the hex, like the, the voice starts coming in. The voice on the radio. Um, and the blood. The blood. The mat, this is also the episode where the man in, in the beekeeper outfit comes through the drain cover as well. Which is so creepy, isn't it? That is really such a, creepy. It's a really unsettling scene. Like that would belong in like a, any horror film. I don't know why. I think it's because mm. it's so like, you don't like the idea of that coming. I don't know. It's so confusing. And Was it explained what became of him in the end? Because Wanda just goes, no. And it just like goes like that and resets. I don't think it was. I wondered if it was someone that had got, that was trying to come in via the sewers into the world and she well, hadn't that, really that was yeah that was explained yeah. that he was he was crawling through underneath the city from out in underneath the town from outside but it didn't explain what happened to him after Wanda resets the whole thing I assumed he got sucked in yeah that's what I would assume but I hope she doesn't like accidentally flip him <laughs> <laughs> he did now he's a bee <laughs> yeah he With becomes a bee yeah, I liked them. Um, also, they they brought in a new. It's funny because obviously you've got Agnes there, who should be the antagonist, but you've got an antag antagonist in the form of Dottie. Yes, yes, who's the sort of the controlling one, isn't she? Yeah, the controlling exactly. housewife, and mm. they always are. They're like, um, it's the it's Bryce Dallas Howard in the Help. It's um, I was gonna say it's, it's very the Help, isn't it? And she, it's very um, the Help. Dottie is Anya, who's a demon in um in Buffy. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So I was oh, like, cool. Anya, you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that crossover? I would absolutely love it. It'd be amazing. We also, there's another neighbour called Geraldine. And we meet her, but there's something a bit off about her. Like she's mm. a bit too wooden and a bit too kind of frozen in it. Um, but we don't find out much more than that. From, no, from, well, like she seems legit, I guess. Yeah, okay. I can't imagine watching this weekly. Like Doug and I bash through 
about six episodes of this in one night because we were like, we need to know more. Like you've given us these little bits of information. We want more now. But I can't imagine cruel. having to wait a week for a next one. It was very cruel, but I think it was good in a way because I do kind of miss that TV like where it brings everyone together because you're all watching it at the same time. Yeah, of course, yeah. You don't yeah. get that very often. I think they gave us the first couple drop. Maybe it was the first four. I can't remember. They gave us a little handful to start off. Okay. And then it was, yeah. We a little did. taster. The little yeah, taster. they're like, you're going to be addicted to this and it's going to be your new drug. <laughs> we yes. were like, no. Don't and do there it. is no cure from this addiction. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's low. <laughs> um, okay. Episode three. It's the 1970s now. Woo. Yeah. Um, give it away. Exactly. It's color as well. Um, Wanda is pregnant and the pregnancy is going very fast. Which I um, think is a good um, takedown of how pregnancies work in sitcoms. Like people will be like, "I'm pregnant," and four episodes are like, "We've child here it is," and then they're completely perfect back to their original oh, shape. People and- people fall in love and get married within twenty two minutes in a sitcom. Like, mm. it, yeah, and and somehow it works. It doesn't feel rushed. And I'm like, "How do you write this? That's crazy, it's bonkers." But I liked it. Sort of, I don't know. It felt like a commentary on how they. They deal with like women's bodies bouncing back in sitcoms and and how yeah how pregnancy is like easy and beautiful and yeah it's yeah, like a yeah. beautiful perfect round bump blossoms mm-hmm. it fits under all your clothes amazingly there's no gas or and, um, and after else. after birth they're just holding the baby and the baby's like six months old and yeah. clean and, and you're not up. you're not a sweaty tired mess at all <laughs> no but even when she is being like tired like please sleep she's still very like perfectly coiffed and with like a, a one hair out of place to signal that she's stressed you know yeah yeah there's a but they've got a ponytail that's mm. it it's it's uh, the ponytail is the symbol of total exhaustion <laughs> or a messy bun yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah um as she gives birth she loses control of some of her powers but she has Mm. to try and hide it but this of course has some effects on the world around her um she's helped to give birth by geraldine and she births two two boys billy and tommy um there's also the scene where vision sees agnes um talking to the other neighbor with the chain who's um cutting the bushes and agnes says that geraldine has appeared in the town with no home and no family hmm. mm. who is she um geraldine reveals to wanda that she knows about wanda's brother being killed about ultron being killed by ultron um so Wanda's like oh my goodness you can't know that and magics geraldine away Geraldine travels through some kind of energy field and emerges in the real world, surrounded by lots of men with guns, lots of agents. And she's not Geraldine. She's someone else entirely. Episode ends. Have you, sorry, have you ever read Under the Dome by Stephen King? Yes. Oh my goodness. It's so under the dome. It's so under the dome, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Because everyone's on the outside trying to figure out what to do. And everyone's on the inside, like completely losing their minds and, and not able to communicate in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah, I never it. thought of I... that when watching it, but yeah, it's very strong similarity there, isn't there? Yeah, at least I mean they're not running out of air or anything. <laughs> but that's yeah. Stephen King for you. He lets just <laughs> dial things up a little bit higher. <laughs> um, episode four. Now we get some backstory. Uh, this is not a sitcom-y episode. Um, we meet Captain Monica Rambo, who was <laughs> Geraldine. Um, she got blipped by Thanos 
and she appears back in a hospital where she got blipped from. Um, this whole scene was brilliant. Like I yeah. loved how she's running around, there's people reappearing and there's people like, they're coming back, they're coming back, they're coming back like that. And I, I thought this, cause you don't see that in Endgame. Like you, you have, like they do it and then you see a tree and then suddenly there's a big battle. Um, but now you're seeing the human side of it, mm. which I love. I, I thought this was so, this was so dramatic and I was getting really into it. And Doug was like, what the hell's going on? I was like, pause, let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> I guess also she comes back and she realises that her mum, who we met in Captain Marvel, passed away, Mm. which kind of means that she is a parallel figure to Wanda in that they were both blipped, but came back to a world where their loved one is no longer there because they've died for real. Mm. Um, But she handles her grief in a slightly better way, I'd say. She does. I suppose (laughs) because her mother was not murdered. Her mother is revealed to have died Mm. of cancer, whereas, and also she doesn't see it, whereas Wanda saved vision and then didn't save him and watched it die <laughs> i think mean, i don't know it's still awful though because imagine if you weren't there with your mum for the last mm. few days of her, it would be quite cruel not getting that chance to say goodbye so i could see that they've both they've both gone through shattering grief stories but she i guess she throws herself into work which isn't great either but she seems that she's processing her grief True. I also got the impression there was a bit of a time gap between when she reappears in the hospital to when we see her arriving at S.W.O.R.D. Mm. headquarters. Um, And, but, you know, you know what? She's Captain Monica Rambo. She's strong. And she's a strong, independent woman and she knows how to handle her feelings. She is. And I thought the actress was so good. Wasn't she just amazing? I, I was really excited by the end of this for when she's inevitably in other things and again I just love that little tie-in to I say little that big tie-in to Marvel to Miss to what I assume is Miss Marvel which is what's coming up and um, no she's going to be in the Marvels oh the Marvels sorry there's lots of Marvels going on even like the word Marvel just appears everywhere doesn't it it really does (laughs) Um, speaking of Marvel um everyone like the people who made this and most of the fans say that um this shows that Wanda is the strongest of the Avengers. Like her powers are extraordinary. And then Brie Larson was like, I don't care. I think Captain Marvel's the strongest one. And I was like, you good for you. <laughs> yeah, good for you, Brie Larson. Stand your ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're a strong woman too. But she definitely is incredibly powerful, the Scarlet Witch. She is, yeah, yeah. Um, and it definitely gets demonstrated by the end of it for sure. Um anyway, Monica is an agent of, sh- of sword sword um and she returns to work the director of sword is a guy called hayward and he's a douchebag bam you gotta have a douchebag in charge right absolutely you can't you can't have a good person in charge like good people don't get in charge because they're good they don't because they're too nice they let everyone that's, else over. that's the paradox of hierarchy is the people <laughs> at the top are not responsible or good um, um anyway so hayward sends her to team up with agent jimmy woo who we saw in um ant-man and the wasp and And we loved Um, him it's great and loved him and darcy lewis who we saw in the first two thor films who we also loved even more so um they are asked to investigate a town that has been surrounded by a force field for some unknown reason no one can get it what could have happened what could it be it can't possibly be wonder magicking things um monica ends up going in through the force field and she disappears completely um, they can't contact her. Um, but Jimmy Woo and Darcy get signals from the town of Wanda's sitcoms 
um, in which the residents of the town have been cast as characters in there, uh, presumably against their will, um, including Monica. They see Monica playing this Geraldine, in inverted commas. Um, so this really starts to explain what exactly is happening, but not quite why it's happening. Um, it would be such a one... fun thing to be working on as a sword agent. You're like, so I just have to sit here and watch a sitcom. Can you imagine or... them? They, they go home back to their family and they're like, hi, honey, explain. how was your day? And they're like, well, a bit weird. <laughs> oh, it yeah. On a scale of one to ten, ten being absolutely mind-bogglingly insane. Ten, maybe eleven. <laughs> Like the blip, that made sense. This makes no sense right now. Um, Wanda, and then they see we see that Wanda discovers that Monica is an outsider because Monica knows about Wanda's brother, and mm. uh, that's when Wanda casts her back out. She wants people in there who do not know her history. She she wants to create this idyllic, perfect life without any of the drama and grief that she's gone through. Bless her. She has been through a lot, hasn't she? She has. And you know what? I did not think of that until this series. And when later on we had that flashback episode, I was like, my goodness, yes, she's lost everyone. I was like, yes, she lost vision. She's sad about it. No, no, no. She's lost everyone. Mm. Um, And yeah, which is kind of like, this is why you need a nine episode story to fully dissect this. Um, if you're not going to give her a film, you need this because otherwise it's just going to be ridiculous how she's lost so many people and not had a moment in the story to deal with it. I always think this TV show proves that TV can some, that is sometimes better yeah, than film. Completely. I think nowadays TV a is film, better than thing, a, isn't it? Rather than yeah. movies. They could have done a film version of this, but I feel like it would have been too brief and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had the richness of the sitcom uh, stuff. You wouldn't have had so many characters in it and um, you wouldn't have had the lovely drip feeds experience of it, I think. Um, So yeah, I agree. I agree. It shows that TV can through episodic viewing can tell a story better sometimes. Yeah. There's certain books that have been made into films and you'll be like, well, I should have been a TV series really, but that's fine. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, episode five, we jump to the 1980s now. Um, Billy and Tommy have grown up a little bit. Um, a bit, the- actually, which again is very indicative of sitcoms. Like, do you remember what was the kid in um, Ross's kid and Friends? Like, he was always just like suddenly a toddler, suddenly 10. They suddenly grow, don't they? Yeah, yeah, between seats because they have to recast, yeah. And I think they're um, bored. They're like, this isn't fun to write anymore because it's just a toddler. Let's get him to like kid age. And as Lily in Modern Family, I mean, it's the it's that one actress for most of it. But the first couple of seasons, it's the baby, and then mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, she's a speaking toddler between sort of yeah. season two or three, I think, or something around about that time. Um, but then they're very lucky to get an actress that they could keep for the for the other sort of nine to ten seasons of it. it was, yeah, very, yeah, very, it's very hard to know if they're going to blossom into a good actor or a bad woman. Then absolutely, yeah, completely. Um, they the family adopts a dog called Sparky. And the dog dies and is discovered by Agnes. This is where I think I'd be like, well, she blatantly killed that dog. (laughs) (laughs) If I didn't know already, because I'd seen the whole, and I killed Sparky too bit, then (laughs) I'd be like, she she found a dog. Are you not suspicious of this at all? But would you be suspicious of your neighbour if they've been helping you cook dinners and all sorts? I would if she does that wink. When she goes, wink, smile, like that. I'd be like, this person, (laughs) this person's fake. I'm not happy with this person at all. I'm going to make sure I don't do that whenever I'm planning something evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I loved how the dog dying and stuff was such a throwaway thing as well. Like it, the dog dies and they're sad about it. And then later on, she's like, and I killed Sparky too. I know. I <laughs> and there's no just... reason for her to have done that. She just did. <laughs> he comes in so briefly as well because he's hidden in the sink, isn't he? Behind the little human wall of children. Mm. He's barely there. And then, yeah, I think it just hammers home that she's she's really evil. Because if she's you kill evil. a puppy... She kills dogs. Like, yeah. no. Oh, and, but no. isn't that quite like, oh, I'm a witch? Because in Wizard of Oz, the witch is very into like, I'll get you and your little dog too. And this time she actually gets the dog. I suppose they it was tributary to that, wasn't it? And she was styled very kind of Wicked Witch by the <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West by the end of it, I suppose, with the robes and the hair and all that stuff. So, yeah. and she did the laugh and that and all that stuff. I think, yeah, it was it was to convey the witchiness of it, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because only a witch would kill a dog. Nobody else. Yeah. I didn't think Hitler would kill a dog, would he? No, no, Hitler had dogs. He loved dogs. <laughs> He was like, but most psychopaths. Say, you know what? Say what you want about his hatred towards the human race. He loved dogs. He bloody loved them. He did. <laughs> um, That's how we get cancelled, you know. That is how we get cancelled. Like trying to justify Hitler because he likes dogs. Yeah. <laughs> He's horrible. I, d- I do not condone anything that Hitler did at all. No, I should say awful. that right now. No. We hate him. He's <laughs> evil the man. Evil, evil man. Um, uh, so, anyway, uh, Vision starts to realize that something is up. Um, because he's clever um mm. he manages to break his a resident's trance the guy he in inverted commas works with um to discover that Wanda has them all under her control um and then the guy goes back into being under Wanda's control um I felt like that bit the guy doesn't name Wanda so I was I was going through the theory that is it Wanda or is it Agnes who has them yeah. under control? And actually is Wanda, actually, is Agnes actually the driving force and Wanda is under her control? But actually that turned out to be incorrect. So fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. It, it kind of keeps it ambiguous as to how her, she skews, like how villainous both of them are. Because neither of them is... Mm. Well, I guess what they are quite villainous, both of them, but it's Shades of Grey. It's that lovely Shades of Grey that we love. We love Shades of Grey, all 50 of them, in fact. And I also thought, sorry, because you mentioned him working, I loved it, the bit where he didn't know what he was doing for a living. So I was like, that's very sitcom as well, because people just work and they don't even know what their jobs are. They go, they go to, yeah, they go to work. Usually when it's the man, the man goes to work and just is in an office and has a boss and that's yeah. it. Like there's no, there's no specification around it. I think when... From what I've watched of 60s, 70s sitcoms, if the woman goes, so the Mary Tyler Moore show was really, really groundbreaking in the early 70s because it was all about a woman living single and working full time. And her job is very much specified. She works in television production and um, all her colleagues have specific roles as well. And they go into that a lot more deep. But I suppose it it was so significant at the time. This was a woman who pays for herself. She pays her rent she pay, she's so, totally independent and works and that was like the big thing the, the thing of it um so yeah whereas the man just goes to work because that's what men do and yeah just pushes some papers around they type on typewriters they have a they have a boss who's comically dominant and draconian and that's it yeah okay. that's all we know about them yeah they're trans monsters <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> um he so vision conf- tries to confront wonder but then Wanda's brother Pietro turns up. Although it's not Pietro from the MCU. It's a different Pietro from the X-Men films. How fun was that though? 
Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. It's Evan Peters, who we love because American Horror Story, great actor and all that. Um, so yeah, he turns up and the episode ends there. And you're like, WTF, guys, more twists. <laughs> I thought that was a really fun way to bring in the fact that people are being recast in different universes. Mm. And I did actually think that was going to be a commentary on that, but obviously it turns out he's just a He's just a regular guy. Just who, a regular uh, guy. I was kind of hoping it was more like multiverse. Then they must have purposefully sought him out to try and cast him because of that, to in order to create that connection with the X-Men films. Um, yes. Do you want to hear so, something funny? Which you wouldn't have yeah. had because you weren't watching it at the time. So Paul Bettany like, said that there was going to be another massive cameo on top of that one that would blow people's minds. He was, he was lying. There were no more... Yeah, so he just, everyone was like, who will it be? Is it Michael Fassbender as her dad? What will it be? And then mm. he was like, there was, that was the only cameo. I love, I love that. I love that it just lies. They did that with them when they finally were making the Simpsons movie. The producer said, we're just going to throw out some rumours just to mess with people's heads about what happens in it. <laughs> yeah, it really did, because that was, honestly, everyone was just obsessing. What could it be? Who, who will it be? When will it happen? And it meant that we went deep diving into Quicksilver and what he represented and what it meant for the, and it, it meant nothing really. <laughs> I think my theory would have been, it would be like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or something like, or um, Patrick Stewart or someone like that, you know? Yeah. That would have been so cool. But um, I feel like there's still copyright issues around X-Men, isn't there? You need Magneto really, because he's he's mm. their dad, in the, isn't he? Is he? In the comics, he's their dad. Oh, I didn't know that. He's the father of Scarlet Witch and Pietro. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I was like, it's going to be him. But which one of him? Will it be? Who plays him? Oh, yeah. Will it be Michael Fassbender or will it be Ian McKellen? Um, yeah, um, both. What will both. happen? And then, yeah, neither of them came and it was it was a trick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, maybe someday in the future. Isn't there, yeah, there isn't that, like Fox has some ownership over X-Men, which is why they haven't, done crossovers with that quite yet um yes that may have. change but yeah there's some there's Disney some kind of legality hand. problem with that at the moment yeah same with spider-man for ages wasn't it yeah yeah and even then there's still like the fact that spider-man is not on disney plus it's on um it's netflix. in netflix and yeah and amazon, amazon prime it's amazon prime yeah, yeah 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 it's funny isn't it um uh anyway next episode we're in the 90s now it's malcolm in the middle woo no. um it's Halloween. Yes, the 90s loved Halloween. They loved it. It was all like Charmed and Buffy and X-Files and spooky shit. Everything was Halloween-y. And I love, I loved Halloween. I, I, it's your birthday. Sitcoms, <laughs> yeah, so many sitcoms where I'm like, the Halloween episode's the best episode of every season. And I know it's not true. But It was, it was Goosebumps era, wasn't it? It was, the, it was that era of children be, having, not watching stuff that's all fluffy and lovely. Actually, children are watching now stuff that's a little bit more video gamey and cruel and um, dark and sometimes maybe a bit too violent, more violent than it should be. Um, yeah, so, you're right. I wonder why it was Buffy era. Like, what happened to us all at that point? I, I think so. Wearing, like, crucifixes and stuff speaking very generally, the 80s were in America was an era of great sort of economic prosperity. It was Reagan era stuff. And um, the um, the the whole ethos, uh, America became quite conservative in that time. It was very much about family and 
men having careers and that sort of thing. And they were able to provide that because the economy was so good at the time. But obviously over time, that did not work. Like economy goes up and then goes down. It starts to go down late 80s, early 90s. And people were also starting to realize that this whole kind of heteronormative setup just does not work. And I think people got very, a bit more disheartened and the 90s became a bit darker, which is why you've got, The X-Files is a really good example of 90s um, American, um, uh, what, what's the word? What's the word when it's like the, the society's thoughts? We use it a lot. Because zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, that, the, the yeah. sort of American 90s zeitgeist, because it's all about how your government is hiding things from you. Do not trust your government. Your government does like like think for yourself look after yourself and that sort of thing there's aliens out there um <laughs> and i think that the whole and that sort of introduced the, the sort of supernatural vampires stuff like hidden things things mm. being hidden and not being real and um and how the world is not perfect and that sort you of thing I, yeah would have also tied in with the satanic panic of the 80s mm -hmm. because yeah. everyone was so, like afraid of that and then mm -hmm you know it kind of died down and became more mainstream i don't know yeah i absolutely yeah it kind of goes through funny waves because the 50s and 60s was very wholesome in its entertainment the 70s went more controversial because that's when they started the sitcoms especially started to explore these very these very these themes that are still today quite controversial in things like they had abortion episodes alcoholism mental breakdowns mm. homosexuality and stuff like that the 80s was then a reaction against that and then the 90s was then a reaction against the 80s and um for, from what i've seen and what i've read that's generally what happened with the 90s is that everything became a bit more cynical it was cynical mm. that was when south park and the simpsons also became really popular because it was like you know what we are not the Brady Bunch. We are not the Waltons. We are the Simpsons. And our that's why we are where we are, you know. That's why millennials are like this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're completely cynical. And um, and we I think we see things for what they are a little bit more. And the famous episode of The Simpsons where it had um George Bush Sr. and Barbara Bush in it, um, as characters, not them themselves. They yeah. that episode was made because the Bushes did not like the Simpsons. They felt like we should be more. We, they felt like we should not be the Simpsons. We should be much more wholesome, much nicer, more religious and stuff. Whereas yeah. the Simpsons was exposing how no one wants to go to um, church on a Sunday. Um, Homer Simpson cannot afford to keep his family properly on his job. And they are completely run ragged by three children. And it's not nice at all. Um, yeah. And the Bushes didn't like it. So they made that episode that completely tore the Bushes apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's good. I'm going to say that... Um... I, I don't know if you're a Stranger Things kind of person. I was like, I'm not going to dive in. I've seen it. I couldn't, I struggled to get into it, I must admit. But yeah, I have seen it. I've, seen I've dived season. in. I didn't mean to. I just sort of got sucked into season four. And it's really dealing with, I guess, the early stages of the satanic panic. Because it's got like a, a kid who's like emo goth style. Um, mm. And he becomes a scapegoat for some stuff going on. And it's crazy how they sort of whip themselves up. And they'd be like, Dungeons and Dragons is evil. And <laughs> it's a cult. Mm we're summoning they're summoning devils and demons and it's interesting because it's more like like a, it's almost like a sort of social history i guess mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely so and i love how tv and films really show social history like even yeah. when they're not meaning to they just do that's why when people are like oh why can't we just watch entertaining tv why does it have to get political i'm like 
everything is political every single thing in the world including entertainment any kind of entertainment is political like at some point it will be that people will look back on this and it will say so much about us as people at that time absolutely that's why i get annoyed with people saying call the midwife is just like cozy tea time tv because it's social history and medical history it's looking at like feminism and women's health and women's rights throughout like the from the 40s right to the 60s at the moment Mm. completely and as downton abbey like even yes. though it's, it's, it's kind of superficial really? in some respects, but it does draw attention to historical features and changes in history at the time. Um, yeah, like the World War I episodes, I think, were some of the strongest because you're looking at that era and like from a really different point, like from mm. how the rich were like turning their homes into convalescent homes and mm. people, women were getting jobs and able to feel more independent. And, and you've got the uh, like Mary and Edith are the characters who are moving away from this kind of aristocratic idea of you don't work, you just have wealth and just sit at home and be mm. beautiful and wealthy. Actually, you'll you'll you will work and do things, yeah. be productive, or even if you don't work, you do things for society. And that's a, and uh, it yeah, and it, TV is constantly reflecting that. So get TV is political. Get used TV's to it. good for you, people. Watch TV. Watch t- watch more TV. Yeah. <laughs> I hate people are like, I don't even own a TV. And it's meant to be some sort of like character plus point. I don't know. Like virtue. I'm like, well buy one. Like, oh, what do you do? Do you go do you go swimming in, in natural waters? No, I read books. Yeah, read books, but you can also watch TV. They're not mutually Oh you bake things. Oh <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. I watch TV, all right. <laughs> yeah, and we're smart. We know we are. We've got degrees. <laughs> from 10 years ago yeah over 10 years ago (laughs) anyway it's halloween in the 90s oh my god (laughs) um wonder and pietro take the boys trick-or-treating one of the boys is super speed inherited from his uncle that's nice um (laughs) vision explores the outskirts of town so when he goes out he discovers that everyone's kind of frozen or moving in slow motion and stuff and it's where wonders influence is less profound it's just kind of stopped everyone rather than have them move around and that um he even man he even finds agnes in a car and speaks to agnes's true self or so he thinks so mm-hmm. he thinks and she reveals that he's dead in the real world and he's obviously a bit like huh what? he's so beautiful about it isn't she saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. later on of course we realize that she was pretending and manipulating the situation um but yeah uh, meanwhile outside the town monica jimmy Wu, and darcy they discover that hayward the director of sword wants to attack wonder he wants and they don't like that they want to help her like therapeutically almost through this process to stop her doing this stuff but he wants to full-on just bomb the shit out of her because he's again, american commentary on villains yes like, and how we've evolved villains on tv has we said it ourselves in the marvel universe they become more relatable sometimes and you feel mm. like not so much like you know some of them but you can be like well we don't want to just kill them is that the best way forward death sentences just bombing other countries blah 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 we need to talk to people and help them through their problems and try and find common ground yeah the evolution of mental health i guess absolutely yeah i definitely i agree with that definitely um vision tries to push through the force field barrier but as he does so he starts to disintegrate so he obviously he can't live in the real world because he's dead in the real world he shouldn't be there. He um, should stay in his little bubble. He should. He should, yeah. Wanda realises that he's doing this, that this is all happening, and she expands the barrier further. This was so exciting when they had to drive away from the barrier, and they're like, ah! 
<laughs> I love that they become the circus as well. So it consumes Darcy and some other sword agents, and yet they become a they become part of a circus. <laughs> then we jump forward to the two thousand setting. Uh, Wanda, where Wanda is struggling to keep control of the world she has created. Things are changing. Things She's not being able to keep up with the magic that she's putting out there. And um, she keeps saying, I've got it. It's just the case of the Mondays. It's really just the case of the Mondays. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Really dismissing how she actually feels, not dealing with or processing anything properly. And we see the aftermath of that. Uh, she definitely shows signs of depression, like hiding in bed all day. Um, yes. She's in a dressing yeah. gown and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, what would you call it? Like like functional alcoholism is that when you don't realise you're an alcoholic, but functioning mm. depression where you don't realise you're depressed. She seems very disconnected to her sons and they have to be looked after by their lovely neighbour, Agnes, who's not going to do anything bad to them at all. No. And, and... Well, you're disconnected as well when, you, when the little one's like, I can just hear really loud sounds in my head. And she's like, mummy mm. is resting. And <laughs> just yeah. really not able to connect with people and I think that is something you go through when you're going through grief yes. you find it hard to relate to people around you or yeah even understand that they might be going through something as well Definitely. because your yours is so consuming and painful that you can't I always oh, it's hard isn't it because I when people are going through different levels of stress I always say it's like I read online like everyone has a different size sink and they fill up at different speeds so you can't be dismissive of one person's stress and compare it to your own because we've all got it's all contextual yeah yeah uh, that's um, very true yeah yeah so I think that was probably the lesson they're trying to push forward there maybe it's where things got really kind of um more in depth with the mental health side of things was around about here where um it's gone from denial to to just the, the, the everything's starting to break down basically mm. and the real like there's only you could try and live in denial in anything whether it's grief or whatever well usually it's grief but um you, it will not be, it's not sustainable. It no. will break down and through forcing yourself into denial and not seeking out whatever therapeutic help you need, you are just going to make things 10 times worse. It's And it's just going to break down even worse. And like I said, it has effects on people around you as shown by the way Wanda is like controlling the minds of this entire town. Uh, Vision and Darcy team up. He manages to get Darcy out of the trance um, she fills him in on everything that's happened. He's now realized like Wanda basically has created this world. He's dead. He shouldn't be here. Um, this should not be happening. Uh, whereas Monica and for him too, that like, he's going for a lot as well. <laughs> that's a lot to take in that you're actually dead in the real world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Monica and Jimmy Woo, they try to get through the barrier in that, that big vehicle, but they just can't do it. So Monica pushes her way through because she's so fucking courageous. I love her. <laughs> um, she becomes a Marvel, Captain Marvel character in Wonder well, Comics. You see that because she gets through, but the energy from the barrier, in, it goes into her and she has superpowers now. Dum, dum, dum. She confronts Wanda but um, Agnes takes Wanda away because Agnes is a nice neighbor looking after Wanda. Everything's fine. However, <laughs> however, yes, come into my basement, Wanda. Come hide in here. Wanda discovers that Agnes has actually kidnapped the boys. She's an evil witch called Agatha Harkness, and she's been watching Wanda all along. And that's when you get the <laughs> bum, 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 and a whole load of little, little tiny scenes showing Agnes or Agatha manipulating things in the background at all times. She's doing her she magic. She killed Sparky too. <laughs> and she killed Sparky too, exactly. I loved this whole musical bit because I was like, 
I would watch that sitcom. That sitcom. She's she's a housewife who's also an evil witch. <laughs> they should that. do a spin-off series. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're doing um, Agatha House of Harkness, aren't they? They've got what something in production because she's been so so well received, um, which is good. They originally um, said no one division two, but I think they were like, oh, people really liked it, so they had to find a way of doing it. Definitely no one division two. I agree with that, but yeah, mm. something about Agatha would be amazing. Um, Agatha wants Wanda's powers. The whole reason she's here hiding in this village is because she's seen what Wanda is doing. She's like, I want a little bit of that, basically. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, She traps Wanda inside a circle of symbols she's created. And inside the circle, only the caster of the symbols can perform magic. So Wanda's a bit like, oh, no, I can't perform magic in this circle. Um, (laughs) And she takes Wanda through key memories in her life to try and find out um how Wanda does all these magical things so well um we learn uh, we see Wanda losing her parents in Sokovia um about we learn about what we get reminded that Wanda lost her brother um and we also see that after the blip obviously Wanda comes back but Vision doesn't because he was not killed by the blip um she went to Hayward director Hayward to ask for Vision's body but he refuses because he wants to do sciencey things on it um evil evil sciencey things and he's just not letting her grieve he's not letting her take the body bury it do what she needs to do so she then goes to this house in westview the town that vision she and vision had intended to live in and creates this entire fake world because she's not being able to process her grief and i suppose it it's not really completely her fault that she can't process it because hayward has been so inhuman towards her in this Mm. I think um, thought she's a superhero. She's strong. Yeah. She doesn't need that. And they always say the strongest people, like sometimes you need to check on those the most because they're more likely to be, I don't know, what's it called where you push? To, to suppress, suppress their yeah. feelings a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absol- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's very true. And, but also he wanted to, you know, gain scientific knowledge from vision. Um, and yeah. And I swear... I, I don't remember this brilliantly, but I think earlier on we saw footage of like Wanda attacking him and taking Vision's body or something like we thought, didn't we think that, or you're led to believe that she'd stolen Vision's body when actually in this flashback, you see actually, no, she didn't. She didn't do anything violent at all. He hurt her. Hayward hurt her massively and she just left and then just created this world. So um, yeah, I found, I found that very interesting actually that, um i suppose that that's quite uh drawing attention to the fact that it's quite it's sometimes quite easy or m- sometimes men in power like to present women with emotions as being completely hysterical and crazy and like you know rochester's first wife kind of thing when actually she did she did everything very calmly um and quite you kind of understand why she did it she was very serene like considering everything she'd been through she would have been well within her rights to go in there and rip everyone apart to get that body but yeah she was confronted with what they were doing with it yeah i do um, think it would be funny if they had moved to this house in westview just to like it's quite nice that you get to an idea of how their lives would have gone because it would have been so strange superheroes i, I think it's nice it really humanized them it reminds you that they're, they're superheroes but they just want like a nice suburban house and they want to raise a family together um and they just want that you know, like little ideal life um 
which uh, they have the same cravings that other human beings have as well. And she will never, she won't have that with vision. She might have it with someone else, but not with vision, sadly enough. Yeah. Well, she might have it with vision, bearing in mind what happens next. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> It'd be um, weird though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, um, anyway, Agatha realizes that Wanda is the legendary Scarlet Witch because she's very, very powerful. Um, and Hayward, meanwhile, has constructed a different vision, a white vision, who's like basically a weapon that he can use whenever he likes. Um, and we enter the final episode now. So Wanda and Agatha fight it out. And I love this fight scene. I thought it was so, Agatha's robes like billowing around and everything. I was like, this is so camp. I love it. So I want to dress up as her for every Halloween going forward. Forever. Just mm. Not even Halloween, just whenever. That's true. So I could just wear it around the house. Um, the two visions also fight each other. And this is where we got, they, they start discussing Theseus's ship, which is obviously the philosophical idea that if you replace a ship's parts one by one, is it still the same ship after a while? Just like the sugar babes. I was going to say, in modern times, it's called the sugar babes paradox. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and, um, and then, so the red vision the, uh, gives the white vision all of his memories. And then the white vision flies off again. So I suppose that might maybe addressed in that. You don't see him again for the rest of the episode, but maybe they'll address later on. He is vision in that he has the memories, but he's not the original vision. So is he vision? It's a nice way to give Paul Bettany a chance to come back if he wants to. It does. Yes, exactly. They've got that opportunity right there. That's lovely. <laughs> options for you, dear. Mm. Um, Agatha frees the town's residents from Wanda's mind control spell. And Wanda starts to sort of break all the spells, but then she stops when she realized that this would mean that Vision and her two sons would disappear and be gone. She loses a lot more than she had lost in the first place. Exactly, exactly. She's 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 made her bed and she's lying in it now. Um, yep. <laughs> in a way, um, and you also see how the residents are kind of begging her to let her let them go. They're in they're in pain. They're actually they're actually like they they were aware of what's happening to them, which was quite disturbing. But mm. like I said, it, it's how if you're not dealing with your mental health properly, this is going to affect other people too, not just you. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, Wanda does, however, defeat Agatha because she creates gigantic big circle of symbols. And only Wanda can perform magic inside that circle. Agatha cannot. And she traps Agatha inside the Agnes character, like as forever, inverted commas. But she's still there, so she could come back. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wink, <laughs> smile. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wanda finally gets to say goodbye to Vision and her sons, and she gets rid of the whole hex, basically. It all goes. It's, it's very sad, that last episode. It really hits mm. you hard like I I think we've spoken about I don't know if we've spoken about it today or just in person but that line about grief is just love persevering is such a beautiful one because it it is so bittersweet because you grieve because you've loved someone and you've lost them and mm. if you didn't have that feeling then it would mean that you never had that love in the first place and you didn't enjoy those memories and totally and I think it, it draws attention to with death you need to be able to process it with a goodbye it ranges from 
the whole Marie Kondo thing of like, if it's an object, you sort of say thank you to it and then you let it go if you don't feel you need it anymore. Mm. Um, but you're just holding it for just for sentimental value, but it's taking up space. And then if you lose a loved one, you've got to be able to have, that's why we have funerals and things like that and burials and memorials. And that's sort the of thing we want to, it's, it's to help us mentally process what has happened and to celebrate who we had and the time we had with them. And I think I guess because maybe that coming out when it did after so many people couldn't have funerals and memorials probably meant it did hit home a lot harder for people. It must have done. Yeah. Yeah. There was, oh my goodness, there was video footage of um, a funeral where everyone's had to sit in seats like really far apart from each other. And I think um, it's a woman's husband and her son comes over to comfort her and he gets told to go back to his seat. Mm. And I'm a bit like, it, it's her son. Like they blatantly hugged and kissed before that what like just can't that yeah it looking back I understand why they had to put in these restrictions but it just seems so inhuman and yeah mm. you're right actually maybe that did resonate a lot with society that one maybe they released COVID so that they could be in this, order to make WandaVision yeah. hit a lot harder yeah no they didn't I take no, it they blame, no, no, that's, it's a joke <laughs> But no, it did feel like that's so like Trumpian conspiracy theory. That is, it's tinfoil <laughs> hat No, it just felt more poignant. I think it was very well received because of the time it came out, and mm. it's almost like if they did do a one division two, I don't know if it would ever have the same effect because it was such a unique moment in time when it was released. Yeah, spoke to a huge public consciousness, like where yeah. we all were in our lives. Mm. I mean, obviously you enjoyed it when you watched it, but you've watched it after all of that happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, we're, we're, as, a, as, a, as a world, we're still recovering from the trauma of what we've gone through. And obviously it's not the worst thing in the world that's happened in, in, to us, but it's to us as a society, but it's still something that changed the way we live for a very long time. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you can see feel the injustice of like, the, you know, certain people having parties and other people weren't allowed to have funerals and so on. Boris so. Johnson, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to name names, but yes, yeah. that one, big name, big glowing letters. It was Ugh. Boris all along. It was Boris all along, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, Hayward, meanwhile, is stopped by Darcy. She bumps into him in a great big truck and goes, have fun in prison. Love that. That was so funny. Um, you know what? Thing? I was going to make this a quiz question. I can't be bothered now. Um, yeah. He originally had a lot more to do in that episode, but because mm. of COVID and because of filming restrictions, she couldn't do it. So they had to do her one line. That's why she's only got such a small part in the final episode. And uh, she's green Is it green screen? Yeah, like green yeah. screen on. So she's not uh, even- Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh, that's a shame. I mean, it, still got a brilliant line in that oh, one. Yeah. It's, it's a great one. So she did well, but it's it, that's why it was so brief, if you're wondering. Yeah. That is interesting, yeah. And then the last thing that happens is that- um, Monica Rambo is contacted by a scroll who says that a friend of her mother's wants to meet her. I wonder if it could be. It was Brie Larson all along. I love it if it was just like some random boring person, like a neighbour. <laughs> yeah. Hello, it's a friend of your mother's. I'm not significant. Yeah, yeah. Frida. <laughs> and yeah, the end of nine episodes of absolute brilliance in my opinion i loved wandavision so much and i can't wait to watch it again maybe in a year or two i'll give it a bit oh uh, watch it again when we watch it again you can like hear chris's thoughts as he goes through it then <laughs> oh yeah yeah that'll be good yeah it's fun to watch with someone who hasn't seen it i suppose because then you can yeah. watch them and be like 
Uh, well, that's the best bit, isn't it? That was what I used to do with Game of Thrones because I'd read the books and my mum hadn't. And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> she. I remember she said like, "Oh, Ned Stark's my favourite character," and I was like, "Oh, sugar." Went <laughs> <laughs> well for you. <laughs> um, yeah. What would you give it out of five? I'm going to guess ten. Ten. All right, even better than I thought. Ten. Yeah, it's just perfection. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I say, I really when... loved it. I thought it was yeah, it was so good. I just. There were so many aspects of it that I thought I thought it was such a layered story whilst also being entertaining. I loved also the way it was very contained to one area. It wasn't like a big worldwide thing. It was a very kind of, um, yeah, contained domestic story about and very sort of personal and mental and emotional. And it, it, yeah, it, I liked that a lot. Um, I felt very Doctor Who in that respect. I know I say this about a lot of things, but I think Doctor Who does very well at making sure that an episode is centered around one little problem. And the problem could have big consequences, even though it's quite small at the moment. And they've just got a, a team has to band together in order to solve this problem and get out, basically. And I felt like that was what it was. And um, yeah, after like the bigness of Endgame, I felt it was quite refreshing to have something like that for a bit. Yeah. And like you say, like a little problem, but it just emphasised like mental health is as big a deal as physical health and yep. highlights. Yeah, so I just think it's a spectacular show. Absolutely. I agree. Would you like a quiz? I would love a quiz. A quiz that... Quiz I with factoids, and you probably revealed some stuff as we go along. <laughs> well, and also I didn't realise you would Google things as you were reading it because you were watching, so I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> did you notice who gets top billing in the end credits oh um it wasn't elizabeth olsen well so during the portion that's accompanied by computer graphics they alternate so in odd numbers she's top billing oh. and paul bettany gets top billing in the even numbered ones but then when they do the like you know the full proper cast list she's always at the top oh interesting that was one thing i noticed the cre- the closing credits were about 10 minutes long well, so many people involved, I guess. They probably had to... Mm. If you think about all the special effects and edit, like the way it looks and the costumes and the hair and everything, they would... But then in other TV series, you just have the end credits in a quite basic way, but every episode had end credits in the way the films have them. Like, it's yeah. all kind of like lots of images for a bit and then there might be a mid-credits bit and then there'll be the rest of the credits after that. And it lasts for ages. Yeah. I think it's nice to... I always try and... Sort of good to paint. good to um yeah to um i uh, show who's involved definitely yeah because you forget you always sort of remember the top like the, the people you see on screen and like the director sometimes but mm. nice to have everyone involved um in the 50s era sitcom mm-hmm. do you know what color paul bettany was painted for the black and white scenes oh um yellow no um <laughs> i just picked a color there i don't know <laughs> i know i was like that was random blue it was painted blue because it looks better than red in grayscale it shows up better yeah yeah if you see if you yeah if, if you go from black and white to color uh, apparently like the cut the actual colors are not what you think they are because of how it shows up in black and white yeah okay um the title of one division is inspired by another film can you mm-hmm. guess what it is no, but all I'm thinking now is Chuckle Vision, but I assume it's not that. Chuckle Vision, Chuckle Vision, classic. One of those Chuckle Brothers died recently. 
I know, I know. Very sad. You know you're old when the people from your childhood shows are dying. Um, it was Black Klansman, because it's like, okay, according to Kevin Fee, she said, I didn't want to call the show Wanda and Vision or the Scarlet Witch and Vision. I was at the AFI luncheon in 2018. I remember looking at the board with this top 10 films and seeing Black Klansman. Mm. I remember thinking, how cool is that? They just mush those two words together and the audience just accepts it as a title. So I thank Spike Lee for making Black Klansman. I know that's the weirdest connection ever, but that's how it came about. But it is quite clever because Wanda Vision, the vis- it's, it's her yeah. vision is this world, but it's also the two characters, but also it references TV and stuff. So- I know. It's such a clever title. It does so mm. much. Works very hard. The devil works hard, but WandaVision as a title works even harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that famous saying, yeah. Everyone knows it. Do you know what SWORD stands for? Oh, God, these old acronyms. Um, um, uh, special workers on red, red dung. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so not close at all, but I guess red <laughs> the colour of vision, so I can see where you're going. Um, it's sentient weapon observation response division. So you know what? I no way would I've ever got that. I know. I guess it's they're observing wonder and vision who are sentient weapons. Mm, true, true. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> uh do you know what the code name of the project that involved making white vision was called? No, I can't remember. The, the goal of the project was to bring back vision. And the code name was Cataract. <laughs> <laughs> Which is clever. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, totally get that. <laughs> white cloudy area in the lens of the eye leads to a decrease mm. in vision. They brought back white vision with white eyes. He couldn't see the truth. There's a lot going on there. Absolutely, yeah. Layers. So many, so many layers. It's like a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> You've just eaten a croissant. That's why you said I- that. Everything's like a croissant to me now. Um, they made a big, big COVID change to the finale. I've already told you about one with Darcy, mm. uh, but it involves the townspeople. Can you guess what they were originally going to do? Uh, riot and attack so they, Wanda? Yeah, they were going to swarm her like zombies and attack her. Mm. But um, instead they stand at the distance and reveal how miserable they are. <laughs> I prefer I- that, though. I like that. I prefer that idea and puts more like emphasis on concluding wonder i suppose yeah and like you say it, it feels more chilling because you understand their pain rather than see them as like these sort of mindless beasts yeah yeah mm. oh what does what happens in the very end with wonder what do we see her doing can you remember she becomes a scarlet witch with the headgear and stuff i can't remember actually she's reading something she's reading that book that <laughs> had to do with Ghost Rider. The Dark Hold. The Dark Hold. That was it. It was in Agents of Shield. How do I remember something from Agents of Shield? That's crazy. I know that's because you've watched so much of it now. Um it's in my head it's the Book of the Dead because that's just the mummy on yeah. me. But yeah, the yeah. same thing really. It does the same thing. Yeah. And she hears her twin boys' voices, which means that at the time a lot of people, myself included, thought that, that meant she was reading it in order to try and bring them back. Mm, Will she do- Will she fall back into the same trap that she fell into already? Or is there a spell where she can bring them back and not have all the issues? Yeah, not mess with everyone. I feel like that would be, um, that would lose the integrity of WandaVision, the way it addresses mental health and grief and stuff. If there, it turns out there is a way to bring them back. 
It's true. Potentially. Yeah. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, one actress um, from Modern Family acknowledged that they were, you know, acknowledged directly that they were parodied. Can you can you guess who? Sophia Vergara. No, it's uh, Julie Bowen. Bowen. Oh, Claire. Claire. Yeah. Claire from Modern Family. Yeah. <laughs> One year to the day since we wrapped Modern Family. Tonight we were part of One Division. They've paid homage to I Love Lucy, The Witch and the Brady Bunch, among others. To see our show as a classic for the eyes of an incredibly innovative Marvel show left me speechless. Mm. Trust anyone who has worked with me, that's hard to do. It's had massive influence, Modern Family. Modern Family in The Office. I think The Office actually came first by like a couple of years or so. But that kind of style of sitcom is, has become like so influential. My last questions are all lyrics based mm, okay <laughs> how many times do they say it's been agatha all along in the song five it's under toi three times i know you think that is more don't you oh, how many times do you think they say the name agatha in that song three times five. Oh, five times oh <laughs> I thought you'd get it this way. Because um, in, in the final verse, they do that. Thanks to Agatha. Naughty Agatha. It's been Agatha. Oh, oh yes, they do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And they also say another word more than any of more than Agatha. There's one word that comes up more, like not a you know, not a connective word. Who? Uh pity. Oh really? Yeah. In the second verse again and the pity is the pity is pity, pity oh pity. i see i thought it was who because i was like who did it who did it that that, that repeated so, refrain but yeah. weirdly they only say who twice ah so it's only in the first verse then maybe yeah it's like who's been messing up everything and then who's been pulling every evil string yeah and just because it's a nice way to end it you'll know it what's the final line of agatha all along and I killed Sparky too. And I killed Sparky too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a fun fact about Agatha all along. Go on. Um, that I read. It, the bit where it goes, it was Agatha all along. That's Catherine Hahn. Yes. Singing. But she did it over Zoom. I didn't because, think she did it over Zoom. That's cool. Because she did it because of COVID. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, they originally wanted Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany to record some title, you know, sitcom jingles as well but they couldn't make it work so she was the mm. only one who actually did one ah interesting he was willing to put the time in over zoom i guess some people aren't zoom fans <laughs> yeah just a brilliant song it's only a minute long but you're just like Whoop, ba, 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 ba. everywhere at the time as well it was such a good tune i, I want added... every song to just be that now just just play that on repeat our eurovision entry for next year <laughs> <laughs> it was england all along <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. what is next was oh yes i'm i'm less enthused about what is next but mm -hmm. maybe it'll be all right it's the falcon and the winter soldier yeah it's fine i think the problem is it came after this for me so it was I I anything coming I, after this i'm just gonna be less enthused by really um yeah it's a bit more what you expect from a marvel series yeah. if you had one division but it's not, it's not bad it's got an also an interesting we'll talk about time it's got an also an interesting bit of like people playing other people and so on and so forth so okay all right we'll we'll talk about it we'll watch it we'll talk about it it's a good thing tv is now only like six episodes long it's not I 22 episodes Agents of shield scene, thing <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Yay. thank god 
You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.